0: When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York Sports Radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, April 15th, 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time or find the show's bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaints to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, Tiger Woods is back, and the Lakers are far from that. Check your sources, we're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. So exciting that if we had prepared ourselves a show sheet of sorts yesterday, we would have had to rip everything up and start from scratch. The excitement that is in the NBA playoffs, the rise and fall and slow decline to the ends of the earth of our favorite basketball team, Virginia making its epic comeback and our thoughts on that, even though it's happened seemingly years ago compared to today, all get put on hold because Tiger Woods is back. He wins at Augusta. He wins the Masters. He gets the green jacket. One of the best, if not the best comeback story in sports It's being told. I'm sure you're just as excited as most sports fans are that we got that result and now we get to celebrate it.
1: Johnny, how are you on this incredibly remarkable day? I'm sure for everybody out there it really doesn't matter uh, if you're a Golf fan, it doesn't matter. Uh, if I said, as I said before, uh, you ever broke a hundred like yours truly, which never did. Uh, I don't play golf unless it has a windmill hole or I can win a free game, but I've watched for years, you know, as the proud, uh, half of this show, it goes way back. The old, 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 old report. You know, I go back to Arnie and Jack. You know, I go back to Gary Player. Uh, I was in my sophomore year at Syracuse on that Sunday when Gary Player made his remarkable run to win in 1978. Um, This is why we love sports. April 14th, 2019, will go down as one of the most memorable days. Days not in golf history, but. In my lifetime as a sports fan, because we saw one of the greatest golfers complete the greatest comeback this side of Ben Hogan and his terrible car accident, which debilitated his career in the history of his sport and maybe all of American sports in terms of what he has come back from between his personal life, uh, between his personal. Addiction issues and all of his health issues to battle all the way back and win not just the golf tournament, not just his 15th major tournament, but to win the most important tournament in his sport with all due respect to the U.S. Open and the open championship in whatever course it may be played on across the pond and the PGA. It is always about the Masters. It is always about this weekend in April. He wins his fifth green jacket in no way, shape, or form like any other. Not like when he came on and obliterated the field. But by grinding out over four rounds against a who's who, a literal all-star leaderboard from beginning to end, staving off everyone, staying out of major trouble, scrambling when in trouble, and then putting it away on the back nine. On an early start, on Sunday, at Augusta National, it is a story unlike any other.
0: It was vintage. For those that can remember, it was vintage. We have seen this more recently than not where Tiger has been able, once he's healthy, to be in tournaments. We've seen wins, few, but not at this extent, obviously, but we've seen him have opportunities where he has a great first two days and then he falters on the back two, or he's in it toward the end, but you can tell he he just doesn't have it on the final day, health-wise, mentality-wise, whatever wise you want to throw in there. We've seen him get close, But we haven't seen what we saw on Sunday where it looked vintage. You can feel others starting to falter. You can see where sometimes shots were going in the favor of Tiger because they went against the golfers that made those shots. Four out of six head to 12. Four out of six end up in the water. You started to get that similar feeling back where it felt like he wasn't going to be the one that made a crucial error for the back nine. And he did not He played it just as well as you could in that circumstance. He was able to take the lead by a stroke, then build on that to two and enter into the final hole.
1: Better being behind Nadal and being behind... Um, the other you know, great players but then he, not only does he come back and win in Australia he beats Nadal and he beats Nadal in five sets it wasn't the Federer of straight sets it wasn't the Federer blowing a field away it was the Federer coming all the way back and beating the player who would become his ne- nemesis in the second half of his career and beating him down under, and beating him in five cents. This was similar because you had him come all the way back to the tournament that everybody looks upon as the tournament, going after his fifth green jacket, but not like 1997 where he destroyed the field, where he was in the hunt early, got closer after round two, second place after round three. No spectacular rounds, no 63s, no 64s, a 67 yesterday to get close and be in the hunt and play in the last threesome, threesome, and absolute kudos. You know, people often criticize the Masters, you know, the way the tournament committee thinks of themselves, treats those four days. What they did today was a stroke of genius, getting everyone off early, the leaders at nine playing all 18 and playing in threesomes to beat what was supposed to be, and turned out to be a brutal late afternoon weather-wise. And he takes on a field that has everyone in or near the top of the leaderboard with the exception of Justin Rose. Every great player was there and every great player seemingly took a run at the lead. You know, I mean, Kafka never went away, and when it looked like he was out of it, he battles back with an eagle. And when Woods has a two-stroke lead, there he is on 17 and 18 with incredibly makeable birdie putts, he misses him, bums. The big guy, Justin D- Dustin Johnson, supposedly the best player in the world, out of nowhere, burns up the back nine and gets in at 12 and misses a birdie putt at 18. Everybody was there. Bubba Watson made a run. Everybody, Ricky Fowler made a run. Everybody took their shots. And at the end of the day, he held them off. And when he had to come up with a group shot at 16, the shot of the tournament. Two feet, birdie, 14 under. And after, as I like to call him, Mikey Muscles, Brooks Gossett misses the two birdie putts. A hand ride home at 18 where he could play it out comfortably into the fairway chip to safety and give himself two putts and appropriately he did not make the par putt so we could have the lights out amazing rock No, because that was the tiger of old this is the old tiger this is as in old old for golf tiger not that old tiger this is Old like me. Old guy. Taking on the young guys. And it took a bogey on the final hole. Safely. Didn't have to attack. Didn't have to Arnie style. Okay, Go over the mountain instead of around it. Played it safe. Seemingly the way he played 72 holes. Safe. Solid. Smart. And he wore the field down. And at the end of the day, the longest drought in Masters history in between titles, he breaks Gary Player's record of 13 years, 14 years since his last win at the Masters. And now he's got 15. And now I believe I can safely say that as long as he's healthy, Tiger Woods will be the betting favorite in every major he plays in for at least the next two to three years.
0: Any part of you that thinks, not like anyone would hope this, but that this might be a flash in the pan of sorts, that everything happened to go right health-wise, mental-wise, physical-wise, emotion-wise to get him this green jacket, but this isn't going to start becoming the norm? Or are we looking more toward if he stays healthy, as you mentioned, he's someone that you're going to have to contend with every tournament that he's a part of for the foreseeable well, I think future
1: you just you just nailed it if he stays healthy is a huge if it's hard to have a bad back i've had one for a very long time and i have had no surgeries you get up in the morning and sometimes you can't straighten up i'm not comparing myself in any way shape or form to what tiger woods has gone through Right. But I've had a bad back for a very long time. I know what it's like to not be able to straighten up in the morning. I know what it's what it's like to get up off your chair and be in pain. And I'm not playing any golf. So that if that you raised is a huge if. But if Tiger Woods is healthy, there will be more victories, and there will probably be more majors. Cause you're, I mean, look, we saw this coming. He competed last year. He was in the hunt in tournaments. He was right there in the British, right? He just got outplayed, you know, you can be outplayed, you know, is he going to go out there and win another tiger slam? I, I seriously doubt that, but we are going to see him at the top of the leaderboard and in the mix in the leaderboards, in majors, for as long as he stays healthy. It's as simple as that, because the level of his play is back. He's hitting fairways, and when he hits fairways, he's such a great iron player. All you have to do is watch to see what a great player he is with his irons, maybe the best of all time. Struggles sometimes with a putter, but when he drives well, his irons are always gonna be what they are. Which means he's gonna be if he's in the fair, which means he's gonna be close to pins. And slowly but surely, this weekend, his putting got better and better and better. And then today, he pretty much made all those big 8 to 10 to 12 power putts. The scramble on, I believe, 11. Uh, it was a 10 or 11, where he was in big trouble. He was 10, and he scrambled for the power. And then the wheels fell off with you know everybody and their mother going in the water. And he did not. And shockingly, you know, things, sure things have to go break your way but you know, he still shot 70 in the final round at the Masters in not great conditions with some rain falling down the stretch but 70 was good enough it was just good enough by his throat but it was good enough not against the field of where'd this guy come from who's that guy is this another foreign guy we've never heard of No, the best in the US the best in the world all at the top of the board, all made their runs, some fell back, some ran out of holes. Dustin Johnson and Kepka ran out of holes. They made their runs. At the end of the day, he overcame. He likes to say he grind, you know, he, 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 he grind grounded out. This entire tournament, he grounded out. He dug in. He never backed off. He never gave way. He never found himself in a position where he was in huge trouble. He stayed out of the water, which is huge at the masters, you know, cause it can be a three and four stroke swing and he navigated the course. And a lot of that was experience. A lot of that was expertise. A lot of that was, you know, the older tiger doing what's necessary to find a way to win instead of, I'm just going to blow this field away. He can't outdrive the field anymore. He's not out people by 20 and 30 yards with it, which made him unbeatable, especially on this course, because when you're long on this course, you are, it's a, it's a huge, huge advantage. Well, he's not the longest anymore. He's not close to the longest, but he's got the shot making ability he's got the experience and when he's driving the ball into the fairway for the most part which he was in this tournament and he does a little better job reading the green which he did the last two days and the putter comes back as it did you've got yourself your 15th major and I'm not going to say who knows how many more but I truly believe there will be more I'm not going to say he's going to break Jack's record I'm not going to say he's going to tie it but i don't think today at the masters if he stays healthy is the last major championship we're going to see tiger woods win
0: and why this gets pegged as historic is that the novelty never wore off with tiger woods and that's somewhat a testament to golf the sport itself but it's so much more a testament to him as a golfer and what he meant to the sport when he came Along the scene of it Because now he's going for this And he's got definitely more fans Than he did when he was in his prime Just because more time has passed More stories have been told More people want to follow what's going on But we don't see this in other sports We saw it with Michael Jordan Who was beloved in the NBA As much as Tiger Woods is beloved in golf When he made his first return And second return People still came back And his first return, he was just as good as he was when he left. Obviously, in his second return, he had lost some of that luster, but was still okay, passable. Not Michael Jordan 1996 97, but it's still Michael Jordan. There's still that twinkle in his eye and that sparkle on the box score once in a while. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato. And this is the new report, old report.
1: It's another thing. If you simply can't play, if you're physically not able to play, you know, think of a, a football player who physically couldn't play or a basketball player whose injury was so debilitating, they couldn't play. We did not know if they'd ever play again. Bernard King comes to mind, who came back from such a debilitating knee injury. Um, yeah. Federer obviously went through a stretch where, because of his, his knee miseries, you know, we figured he'd play, but we'd never know if he'd ever reach that level again, which he did, which was astounding, especially considering the physical nature of, and the movement required for tennis. But then think about this four back surgeries. You're swinging this club so many times in a round. You're walking. God knows how far they, I don't even know how far they walk. I, I really honestly don't know whether it's you know five miles. 10 miles I, don't know, I don't know how far you're walking around the golf. I know it's a long way and it's uphills and downhills and overdale. Okay. But, but the physical strain and to go against these guys who idolized him who in 1997 1997 that's 22 years ago 22 years ago these guys were six, seven, eight, ten 10 years old and he beat them all today the Every one of them, every freaking one of them. Not some hack tournament with nobodies, the tournament. And not at four under, not the U.S. Open where one over wins it, no, no, 13 under. In an absolute remarkable performance in which he was so incredibly consistent and had, no, as I said before, had no major faux pas, no catastrophes, no snowmen. Uh, just absolutely incredible. The way you win this tournament at this stage of his life is you outgrind everybody, and that's what made it so special. He didn't. He needed to win this one by a stroke, not by five or seven or just cruise home or shoot a 64 in the last round and win by eight. No, he had to win this way with guile, with shot making, with tenacity, with mental and physical toughness. He out-toughed, out-thought, out-played the field. That's the ultimate greatness when you're not just – out physical everyone because of youth and greatness and innate ability when you are older and stand the test of time and are now not as good physically as your younger opponents and not as intimidating from the standpoint of what you were twenty two years ago. But you still have the ability, the mental strength, the physical ability and the skill to outplay them all and win the greatest tournament in the sport.
0: And that's it's, what makes it even more exciting as a fan of the sport. Is the competition is there? Not to say that it wasn't when he was at his prime, but you know there were tournaments where. No,
1: but it's better. It's better. Exactly. It's getting better all the time. Exactly. Because of what he prompted. Exactly. Listen to these guys. You know, Brits Brits Kafka. Tiger made it cool to play golf. These guys are... A lot of these guys are playing because they were kids when Tiger Woods wasn't hitting his prime. When Tiger Woods became famous. When Tiger Woods put Nike on his back after what Jordan did and was the next guy. Tiger mania. These kids got caught up in it. And it was cool to swing a golf club. And that's why they're... And that's why... They have so much respect for him and are so happy that he's back because they know they wouldn't be where they are because they may have never picked up a club if it wasn't for him. Brooks Kevin doesn't look like a golfer, looks like a tight end or, full, or, you know, or, or, or a linebacker you know, or, or a fullback. It's amazing. It's remarkable. It's astounding. And we got to see it. The best part of all of it is that this, it, this is why we love sports. This is why we can't stop talking about it. This is why it fills up the airwaves, TV, radio. Why? Because what these guys do is so remarkable. It's so extraordinary. Their skill set is so off the charts that you can't help but admire, even if sometimes they're assholes. We overlook that because we are so enthralled with their ability to do what they do, not on a course down the street, all right? Not on a court in your backyard, not on a ball field down the street, but on the biggest stage with the whole world watching, with all the pressure under the microscope where everyone is ready to rip you to shreds on TV, on the radio, in social media, on Twitter, if you screw up. That's what makes it so incredibly special, that they have the ability to rise above all that pressure with the whole world watching and do what they do like no one's watching.
0: You couldn't have read it better, wrote it better. It was important, as you mentioned, he wins by a stroke. It's close. And it's important that he won. I think that makes the conversation so much more colorful and better than if it was him losing by a stroke or two or faltering at the end. That takes the conversation in a different direction of maybe he'll never get over this hump. Maybe he doesn't have the willpower. To... Now it's you open up doors for conversation. The greatest ever door is open. The Jack Nicholas, door, it, everything's open. Now that we were to see what we saw on Sunday. So it was and, and fantastic w- w- to w-
1: w- Let's face it. The fact that it's this tournament. No knock on the U.S. Open, as I said before. The, P- the fact that it's the first major of the year and it's the Masters, I think even adds to it. If it was the U.S., if it was any of the other three, it would have been, been unbelievable as well. But the fact that it's the Masters and that he did it in the first major of the year really puts it completely and totally over the top. It really does.
0: Switching to what got pushed to the back page of this show. What, there's something else? Several things.
1: <laughs> Anything else happened? This, this, this year's sports.
0: <laughs> what would have probably been our lead as Lakers fans is the shakeup. You want to call it that? There's a lot of colorful adjectives we could use as well to describe this last week of the Los Angeles Lakers that saw. Magic Johnson just decide one night, he was done. He'd had enough. Had a press conference, said his goodbyes, didn't tell Jeannie Buss, told her on television. At least, that's what we're led to believe, that he was leaving. A couple days later, even though one of the reasons he supposedly left was that he didn't want to have to do this, Luke Walton, quote-unquote, Mutually agrees to step down as the Lakers coach. I have quotation marks going, which isn't good for radio, but you get my drift. No president. No head coach. No LeBron. I haven't heard from him yet. It was quite the week out in La La Land.
1: Well, I, I'm going to try and take some positives out of this, which are as follows. Now, do I like The way Magic Johnson did this, obviously as a lifelong Laker fan, I'm a huge Magic fan. He's one of the greatest players of all time. He's arguably the greatest Laker of all time. Take your pick. You know, Magic, Kareem, Kobe, Wilt, West, the list goes on and on. We'll throw Shaq in there. Uh, You must. Baylor, of course. It's a long list. It's an extraordinary list. It's... the thing that was bad about it was the fact that he didn't, and, and his excuse was, if I tried to tell her in person, she I was afraid she'd change my mind. And look, I, I, can, I can even give some credence to that, that she may have tried to change his mind, and they're so close, she may have convinced him to change his mind. So let's leave that aside from her. From a basketball perspective, it was absolutely positively the right move. Because as great a player as Magic Johnson is, and as great a businessman as Magic Johnson is, Magic Johnson, because of who he is, Magic Johnson, can't be a good president of basketball operations, because Magic Johnson can't be devoted to being president of basketball operations. There's too much in Magic Johnson's life that hasn't been Magic Johnson. His business interests, his interest in being Magic Johnson, of glad handing, of mentoring, of schmoozing the room, instead of having his nose to the grindstone, instead of constantly crunching numbers, instead of going abroad and checking out foreign players, instead of being devoted to analytics and bringing in the people and support staff, which are around all front offices of every major sport in what has become an analytical world. That's not the way he operates. He operates on an eye test. He operates on a wink. He operates on a smile. He operates on, hey, I'm magic. Let's seal the deal. All right? Well, that may be good in terms of coming at the end and finishing it off, but that doesn't do very much good to get you to the last sign-off. To the last step to seal the deal they need a president of basketball operations who is wholly devoted and singularly focused on bringing the Los Angeles Lakers back to prominence and back to championship convention who that will be I don't know well
0: so I'll i could I'll right offer now. this on magic too I found it interesting And it was typical magic, right? When he just got up there, spoke from the cuff, answered any and all questions. He didn't have a prepared statement. He didn't offer this through a press release. This was, I'm just going to go out here and do this the way he's done it throughout his career. I just found some of the things that he said aloud interesting that we probably already knew, but nobody came out and forthright said. There was a woge bomb about how He would just go off in the summers on his yacht and not do anything, which we kind of knew. He was rarely there doing anything that a president should be doing. We all kind of knew these things. But when one of his main reasons was I couldn't tweet out to congratulate Russell Westbrook when he hit 2020-21, I couldn't give any advice to Ben Simmons. I couldn't show my support to X or Y on Twitter when you could still tweet, Magic. You just can't say, hey Russ, how about going 20 20 with the Lakers next year? Like did, did nobody just sit him down and give him the rules and regulations of what he's so fearful now about with tampering? It's very simple. He just didn't care. And of course, yesterday, we he get tweets. He doesn't want to care. I know you're that's not on thing, Twitter, Al, but thing. he's he, back. He, he doesn't, he
1: doesn't want to care. He doesn't want to change. And he had to change for this job. He had to change when he was the coach of the Lakers. He didn't want to do that either. He doesn't want to be anything but Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson is bigger than... Than a nose to the grindstone job. Magic Johnson is bigger than being a grinder.
0: Him not a, being a, a there. President of
1: basketball operations is a grinder. It's somebody who is working 24-7. He's not gonna be working twenty-four-seven. No. He didn't want to work twenty-four-seven.
0: And him not. And if being... I was
1: him, I wouldn't want to work twenty-four-seven either. <laughs> no.
0: Him not being there is not the surprise.
1: There's a there's a lot more fun stuff to do.
0: Go to the Dodgers game. I heard
1: somebody say on the radio, and rightly so, what we often forget is because of the way he's conquered this disease. If I'm Magic Johnson, I I absolutely want to have fun because I don't know how much fun I got left. I could live another twenty years. I could live another twenty months. It looks like, as far as we know, he's overcome this disease, but he's still got it. So do I want to spend all my waking hours, 20 of them, studying tape, going through analytics, checking out players in Germany, going to the other side of the world to check out a 17-year-old seven-footer? No. I'll be more than happy to come in and throw those five rings on the table. All right? Talk to you what it's about to be a Laker and point up to the rafters and say you two can be up there come on aboard I'm magic worked for me look how I wound up successful as the day is long I got a piece of the Dodgers I'm a successful businessman as there has been in the history of sports as athletes successful athletes and I'm loving life. Laker for life. We want you to be one too. Seal the deal. But being involved from the very beginning, nah.
0: Nah. Well that was the way surprising too much thing fun.
1: about wait passing up on way too much fun being magic.
0: The surprising thing of the move in general was he didn't have the resume or experience for that job title. There's a stepping stone of sorts to get to that. You don't just get handed it, which they sort of did. But then you thought, well, you know, the Bus family probably knows what they're doing. It's magic. I'm sure he'll figure it out. We've seen strange they handed things. Him the
1: co- they handed him the coaching job.
0: And as time goes on with him in those roles, you just saw, you know what? Maybe this is not going to change. Maybe the proclamations of... If I don't get one or two stars coming here to L.A., I'll quit. Well, we didn't even get to that. He quit before (laughs) that was even out of the question, before it could happen. So the part of him leaving, it wasn't heartbreaking. The questionable thing was how it was done. It it was strange. It was strange to watch it happening. You're like, what? My phone starts going off. Everybody runs the TV. Magic stepping down. What? Rachel Nichols is talking to him in the bottles of one of the stadiums just to get a couple. Of co- it was it was bizarre. But
1: uh, but, uh, but it, it followed course with the way this Lakers season went.
0: Right, it did absolutely right. Because
1: it became bizarre once LeBron got hurt and then Lonzo went down. It was literally the theater of the absurd. Plain and simple, um, it was absolutely. One thing to the next, it just became, you know, at this stage of the proceedings, we can call it a shit show on this show. uh, You know, here on, you know, old report, new report, new report, old report. He's John Tinylawn. I'm out. Renato Wakefield from White Plains. And on one of the greatest days in the history of American sports, we've gone from the greatness of Tiger Woods to what is no longer the greatness of the New York or the Los Angeles Lakers. But and, and everything's transpired with him in the last week. And, you know, now their, their search begins for both a coach, since Luke Walton uh, is no longer the Laker coach, and uh, you know, soon to be, if not already. I'm not sure if the ink is dry on the, on the Sacramento deal. Um, I know they were working out the final details. Um, the coach of the Kings. Uh, so he didn't take long to get the new job. Uh, they're going to be speaking to Monty Williams. They're going to be speaking to Tyrone Lowe. You know, the uh, former Laker and LeBron disciple, so to speak. Um,
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato. And this is the new report, old report. The...
1: Real issue here is, to me, uh, who's running the show? Is Jeannie Bus going to retake control of her franchise, or is she going to cede it to LeBron James and Flex Sports? You know, when LeBron came aboard, this was my biggest fear. You know, is J.R. Smith next? Is he going to be the next three-point shooter on the Laker roster? I would much rather bring in, whether it's you know the Golden State team president, who I, I don't think would come, but you have to try. Uh, the Toronto president of basketball operations, uh, one of the top flight assistant GMs, whether it's in Boston or whether it's in Houston. Uh, God, I mean, I, I can't believe Jerry West would come after the falling out he's had with the Lakers, but It's certainly worth the attempt. I don't think Pat Riley would come simply because of what happened between he and LeBron uh, with LeBron leaving. So I don't see that as even a remote possibility although people are talking about that. Uh, But that's really the first step that Jeannie Buss has to take is she must find a basketball mind for this time. Not an in-house family member of the lakers you know, not somebody who has been a long-standing member of the laker community and laker group and this has to be a hire for basketball reasons and basketball reasons only because this is business and it's time to get down to business and bringing the lakers back to greatness i don't want a trade that clears out all the young players i would much rather trade LeBron James. LeBron James is their biggest champ. I think the Lakers would be better off for the future if they traded LeBron James even up for Anthony Davis or Bradley Beal and brought either one of those in with these young players. And then, since no one seems to want to come and play with LeBron, maybe they could, in fact, bring in Kawhi Leonard to go with Anthony Davis or Bradley Beal and all these young players. And they still have a lottery pick. Because remember, I'm talking about not next year. I'm talking about the next five to seven to eight years. That's why I would rather have one of those two players versus, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, who's clearly past his prime. I don't care what anybody says; he has passed his prime. His prime is gone. His prime will never be back.
0: Yeah, supposedly. He can play
1: like Tiger Woods played today with guile, and he still has great physical attributes, but he is nowhere near the player physically that we saw. Three, four, seven, eight, ten years ago. No one is. That's the way of the world. Even though he was like Superman, he got hurt this year. He played no defense when he was healthy. He'll never play defense again the way he used to. He still can dominate a game, absolutely. And he's still a brilliant player. But I don't see him getting better physically. I don't see his athleticism increasing. I only see it decreasing. So why not bring in a great younger player for the long run which will increase the possibilities of bringing in another great free agent and set you up for the future that's my thought process now i don't think that's going to happen i think lebron james is going to finish his career as a laker so that means you have to bring in another free agent with him and as i said i don't want to trade all these young players i would rather bring in more talent and keep these young players we'll see what happens
0: Yeah, supposedly Pat Riley and Bob Myers are both not interested. So the Heat and the Warriors stay in put, which I I cannot blame them in the least, and I'm sure we'll hear more of the same. I think we've reached the point now where unfortunately you have to go all in with either decision. Decision one would be just handing LeBron the keys, getting rid of that stress of... Your life and just saying, listen, you do what you want. You think you can build this team? Go ahead and give him the reins and just watch it fail, or have the ten percent chance that it succeeds. But at least you avoid the bickering, the midseason trades, the poutiness, the de- the time off, the trips to Miami. Just say, here, man, go out and do it. And as much as we would hate to watch that happen, that's one option. Option two is, as you mentioned. Ship him off, trade him. And no in... one's ever
1: been in a position. No one has ever been in a position to do that to LeBron.
0: Right, he's been the one to do it the other way around.
1: And by signing him to a four-year, that, that could see that's the one thing you know, People that are not knock Magic. That's the stroke of genius. That's what Magic got here. He got a four-year commitment with a no-trade clause. Uh, you know, without a no-trade clause, not a, not and not an opt-out after one or two or three. And not a no trade They can do, the Lakers are in complete control. They can do whatever they want. So if this is about business only, and I mean just business, from a basketball point of view, you have a hard time convincing me that the best thing for the Los Angeles Lakers now and the future of the Los Angeles Lakers is to get LeBron James and clutch sports as far away from the Staples Center as possible and get the best haul in return you can get.
0: Right, and you have the opportunity to tell that to a GM. And in, they love this in baseball, as we know. When the new GM comes in, there goes the managers. He, he wants a clean slate. We see it in football all the time, too. Any sport. You tell somebody you'll have slate. the Lakers? Come on. You could get we anyone. The, you, are the,
1: you are the president of the franchise of record and the National Basketball Association, and no one will tell you what to do. All you have to do is run whatever you do by ownership. You are the president of basketball operations. LeBron James is gone. Clutch Sports is gone. You hold all the cards, and you now have the power to do whatever you want as long as you get the okay from ownership.
0: And the red flag, up. which tells you how it is now with the Lakers, at least not to my knowledge, this hasn't happened. Right after the Magic Johnson decision and in the days to follow, we didn't see from Jeannie. We didn't see from LeBron. She did release you know, the PR statement of oh, this, of course. that. Rob Palenka of course. put out a statement. But she did not sit down at the Staples Center and explain the situation. LeBron rather went to Brooklyn to celebrate with D. Wade playing in his last game and partying with the Banana Boat Boys instead of addressing the situation. We've yet to hear either of them. And we still don't know because of that who holds control of the organization. It's terrifying. You have, we have no idea where things are going to get ter- pulled to. Let's
1: look at it this way. It's terrifying, at least for the next three years.
0: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) There's not a light at the end of the tunnel where you think, here we go.
1: Our biggest fears have come true.
0: And we have teams in the playoffs that are happening. Maybe LeBron's waiting for that. We'll get to game four or a big upset to happen. Then he'll drop an announcement or whatever he's going to do to get the spotlight back on him since he won't have it on the court couple upsets so far in the NBA playoffs, at least in game one. Still a long way to go. But now is the time that people start really diving in. They do last a long time. Summer comes and then we know who the NBA champion is going to be. So that kind of hurts the luster of people getting truly invested this early in it. But hey, there's a couple good storylines going along. I guess we have to pay attention now.
1: How thrilling it would be if these first round series were three out of five, the way they used to be. Then we would really have something to talk about with Toronto, shockingly, losing game one at home against Orlando and Philadelphia without their big man uh, being upset at home by the Nets uh, with Embiid's knee issue being an incredibly large issue. And, you know, he is just a huge question mark. Um an incredibly skilled player a player who what we always seem to criticize about the nba I and mean, even all professional sports these days has gotten too nice all the players love each other uh, and b doesn't love anybody when he's on the court which is one thing you gotta like about him. he's got the big nasty to him he's not afraid to stick it in the guy's face he's not afraid to slap somebody around he's not afraid to get feisty to get nasty and say i'm the man but you can't be the man if you can't get on the court and that is uh, that is the biggest concern the Sixers have to have right now, uh, because a player of that caliber and that size. Because you know it's one thing to be terrific and be six four, but when you're six eleven seven feet and you have the kind of ability that he has to do so many different things, um, you know it. But look, well, where would the Bucks be if Giannis couldn't play? You know, let's get down to it. I'm not going to say same exact scenario, but pretty damn close. So everything for the Sixers now is really up in the air uh, as they take on the upstart Nets, who who win Game One in Philly. Again, the shocker in Toronto. uh, Toronto, really, as a fourth quarter collapse comes back, uh, and then they get beat by a three, and Leonard misses a three to tie it. Um, Will they bounce back? I would think so, but you know, with their failings in the past in the postseason. You can never be too sure. You can never be too sure. So certainly more stories to be told there. The defending champs playing like defending champs. Blow out game one. Uh, We'll see if they continue to take care of business.
0: Yeah, we can trust the process. We can look to what should be a successful future if you're Sixers fans. But we know for just from watching sports, sometimes the windows shrink quick. And you could have young guys around and have potential but eventually when things don't start following your way, that light at the end of the tunnel gets darker by the minute when you're going in the opposite direction of it. So I'm not saying hey. that the Sixers are in severe trouble or that this is never going to happen but some small things happen you lose players to injuries, you lose role players well, to trades. Let's you, remember, Jimmy Butler's going to be a free agent Exactly, no guarantee he's going to come back the window's small. Yep. And not to say that they're ruining it after one game, but no, just of be not. careful I, I, putting of the of face not.
1: But, you know, the windows to winning championships can be very small and very short. And right now, you know, their best player is injured. Uh, their second best player, and Jimmy Butler, is a free agent to be. Uh, their third best player can't, simply can't shoot. And in a close game down the stretch, is the first guy you're going to foul and put at the foul line. So it is a difficult scenario right now for the Sixers. Uh, are they in trouble? I don't think so. But there are issues for them to deal with. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Because, you know, unless the big guy is going to be back in that lineup, for a continued stretch of time, they could lose the series to anyone without him. And I truly believe that.
0: I would say they're a front runner for me of a possible upset in the first round. I guess I could give the Spurs a chance, too, them taking the first game because Greg Popovich knows what he's doing in the NBA playoffs, obviously. And you could consider the Thunder if they're able to somehow beat the. Blazers an upset 3-6. You never know if Westbrook and George go really off to win those games, but the Blazers have a lot of things to play for. They've been here before. They came up big in the first game, so that's going to be a battle of a series. I don't know if there's going to be any major upsets anywhere else than that. Time will still tell. Games are still being played. Game ones as we're speaking, so we still have a lot of time left, but now we start putting our face and focus toward that to see if any and of those folks to We're
1: be. sorry. Wahoo fans that we put you at the very back burner, but it was Monday night, which seems like an eternity ago, but we'll close with the remarkable run of the Virginia Cavaliers, a team that literally should have been dead and buried uh, in the elite eight and somehow some way magically survived they find a way with every bounce of the ball going their way, every whistle going their way, and making big shot after big shot. They have to do that, but they were provided through some very fortuitous bounces and whistles with the opportunities to make some incredibly large shots and to their credit, they did it. And the Virginia Cavaliers and Tony Bennett with their first national title. And then have to tell the entire world that uh, how dare you think we couldn't win? Well, wait a second. How dare we, including me? You spit the bit at every given opportunity. Every year, you're close to a one seed or a one seed, and you don't even make it to the final four, let alone contend for a championship. You get upset. You can't put the ball in the ocean. And then the ultimate last year, they become the first team ever, and they're seeing the tournament as a one seed to lose to a 16. And then they say, how dare we? Who do they think we are? We doubted them. Well, of course we doubted you. We doubted you for good reason, because you never came through. You never got it done. But who are they to doubt us? Who are we to doubt you? Plain and we to doubt you. We're right-thinking people. We're right-thinking sports fans. So now we're gonna say, how oh, dare, oh, who do you think you are? We showed you, you didn't show us anything, right? You showed, you, what you did is you played well, you got a lot of breaks, they went your way, good for you, be a good winner. Don't be it, there's nothing worse. There's only one thing worse than a bad loser, and that's a bad winner. And the thing that disappointed me is the Bennett family and some of the players and the Wisconsin, or the Wisconsin, the Virginia crew were lousy winners. Look at Tuesday morning, we were calling it one of the most remarkable sports stories in recent memory, from the depths of despair, the first one ever to lose to a 16. And The next year, they climbed the mountaintop from the abyss to Mount Everest in one year. That was Dwarf
0: today. Al, it's always a pleasure. Great being able to talk about one of the best moments that we'll probably see in 2019, fresh out of the gate with it. We'll do it again next week.
1: As I said, Johnny, this is why we love it, folks. Have a great week. You could not have had a better sports day for John Tiny Lund. Al aka A.K.L. from White Plains. Take care, everybody.
0: We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.